Welcome back to the Fangirl Forum. I'm your host, Meredith Loftus, AKA your friendly neighborhood fangirl. It's been quite a journey, but we are here. We're here to geek out, nerd out. So whatever you're doing right now, just thanks for listening and we're just gonna dive right into it. But I'm not alone today. Joining me, introducing some of my favorite people on the planet. One of them is my person, uh, the person I will call if I ever committed a crime and need to get rid of the evidence. She is a fangirl after my own heart and one of the most amazing people I've ever met in my life. Give it up for Emily Dominguez. Hello. Although we both know that if you ever committed a crime, I would be right there next to you. So that is true. There would be no use in calling me because we'd both be. You'd just be right there. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man, that is very true. Also, glad to be here. I'm really happy that you're here. And also, guys, if you don't know, like she fangirls a lot, but her biggest thing to fangirl about is Oscar movies. So when we get closer to Oscar season, I will be referencing her a lot as far as Oscar predictions, and maybe get you to call in and like figure that out. Yeah, that'd be fun. That would be awesome because. The Oscars are my Super Bowl, and that is my favorite season of the year, so I'm very excited that we're getting into that time of year again. But we're not talking about that now. No. (laughs) But it will be. It will be. But she's not alone. Also joining today, guys, this is a big deal because this, my 10th episode, is the first fanboy to be on my show, and I don't take this lightly because... This guy knows his stuff. He is the biggest Spider-Man fan I know, personally. Has a lot to say about Star Wars, Marvel, the works, and I can't wait to dive in more. Give it up for Emily's amazing husband, Tully Dominguez. Hey, everybody. Thanks for coming on. Like, this is a big deal. Like, this is the fangirl forum, and you're my first fanboy. I don't discriminate, but I, I take these, gotta make sure, like... You're up to par for this, and you totally are. So I'm glad so. We we'll, we'll find out. So they're visiting me from out of town, and I'm really happy. How's your How's been your experience in LA so far? It's been great. Lots of traffic, mm-hmm. which is you know I feel just part of the experience, and you know walking around Hollywood, which is definitely um, the Times Square of Los Angeles. But you know you got to do it, and it's cool to see all the movie posters like the you know for your consideration billboards that's something that we definitely don't ever see anything on the east coast and i got to hold an oscar today so So there you you go if if all else fails that has been a part of my life (laughs) you can at least say that you were one of the few to hold an oscar yes All right, well, we're not gonna talk Oscar news today, but there is a lot of stuff going on. So first, to follow up with uh, the passing of San Lee, as everyone knows, like he is an icon in pop culture. I would say he's probably the father of pop culture, if we're really honest, because what he did in the 60s and 70s at Marvel Comics, like has changed the landscape of like the world that we live in today. And so, because that is still so fresh, I just wanna get your thoughts. What has San Lee meant to you? Who are your favorite heroes uh, or characters that he's created? Like, I'd really love to hear your thoughts on that, so. Yeah, well, you've already established that I am a huge Spider-Man fan. I mean. Um, which I am, and he is, he is one of the co-creators of Spider-Man, um, of that character, and 
I don't know if Stanley could have favorites, but I feel like Spider-Man would have to be up there um, for him, and just what that what that character means to just the Marvel universe, and and kind of how an everyman can can become uh, something more, and of course the the classic with great power comes great responsibility, um, and we joke about it because. Every time a new Spider-Man movie comes out, we got to find a new way of saying it, mm-hmm. which we can all laugh about. But it is something that, you know, our, our, our mythos now in America, it's, it's completely changed that. And when, when I learned of the news of his passing, it did hit me kind of like a, a bus, you know. He was getting up there in age, but and so it could happen, you know, you never know. But I'm just thankful for um, what he's brought to, to the world and um, all of us geeks who now can just enjoy it and really not have to um, worry about sneaking out to comic book stores or watching a, a movie and thinking, you know, because it's not a, you know, an Oscar movie or it's not, you know, um, you know, used to be kind of taboo to see superhero movies and stuff. You weren't really considered, you know, they weren't in the same conversation as all the others, but that's, that's definitely changed. Yeah, absolutely. The idea that something from like comic books could be something relatable and not I wouldn't say cool but it is kind of cool like the fact that hey there's this teenager who's worried about acne and asking the girl out that he likes but he also has like spider powers or the x-men and like having these unique abilities but having no one else relate to and feeling ostracized by society like I just think the way that he made his character so real and relatable touched the core of just people and the stories that he was telling through that. And I I said it before and I'll say it again. There will never be another Stan Lee. I don't think that is possible. Like, yes, like George Lucas created the Star Wars universe and J.K. Rowling created Harry Potter. But I just don't think there will ever be a Stan Lee. The way that he, like, paved the way and created these characters, he did it first. I think there's something to be said about just his legacy and impact that for a creative mind within a decade created so many characters with such rich stories. I I just don't think we'll find one of those in our lifetime. Like I know that there are plenty of creative people out there, but there's just something like, yeah, I, I don't think we'll find another Stanley. And that's kind of like a hard thing to lose. Like we don't live in a world without him. And to briefly say, like, I, I got to physically see him at Comic-Con a couple of years ago. I was at a hotel that he was staying at, and I was heading to a restaurant in the hotel, and he was with some of, like, his people and walking to the elevator. And I just could not, I couldn't believe, like, seeing him. Like, I just watched Shan Lee walk by. Just, like, letting that sink in of, he's a legend he is the guy at comic-con to me and there he was and then i think it was a day later i saw kevin smith and i watched kevin smith's uh, basically like eulogy to stan lee the other night and it just got me more emotional again because he had so many unique encounters with him that it's just he is such a creative person but it's hard to lose a guy like that even though he had lived a long and prosperous life you know Um, and he found success like in his 30s you know it wasn't in an early age but that he could have such legs in this career is incredible and one thing i think that just makes him such an amazing mind and um 
just leader for Marvel Comics. He's not someone who created it, created these different characters and then had a death grip on them, you know. He's allowed other people to put their own mark on these characters, mm-hmm. take them where they want to go, um, be happy where he sees it going. I feel like there's so many different fandoms that can are, can make or break because of one person. Oh, and, yeah. You know, we look at Star Wars and how, you know, a new mind comes in and interprets things maybe a little differently than some other people. And it's very, you know, it's also part of this where the world we live in right now. But for Stan Lee to be able to give the reins to other people and say, hey, this is the character we've made, but, you know, it's not just my character, it's everyone's character. Because mm-hmm. I, And for him to know that and know that these characters mean so much to the world and just have that freedom to, to let everyone enjoy it, I think that's another, you know, testament to how great of a man he was. Right. And even thinking of how many like Spider-Man movies and TV shows there have been just for even that one character I think is a testament to that where you know we see so many different versions of him and I think that people kind of latch on to a specific Spider-Man movie you know franchise of like the three big ones that we've seen so far although Tom Holland is you know bomb I think yeah (laughs) but yeah hashtag my Spider-Man yes (laughs) (laughs) Well, another great factor about Stan Lee is, like, part of this contract, he had so many cameos in every single, like, Marvel property. And the good news is, like, it's not the last we've seen physically of Stan Lee. I know of a few cameos at least coming up. Like, yes, the Avengers 4 cameo is confirmed. Captain Marvel is very likely... I don't know about Dark Phoenix, I hope, because X-Men is very pivotal in that world, and I I feel like that would be a cool send-off for him. But I also know of a cameo coming up in Ralph Breaks the Internet, because there are Marvel characters involved. Like, he's going to be in it, and I think that it's just going to be so sweet to, like, see those, but it's the same way that, like, when we lost Carrie Fisher, when she died, we... Seeing The Last Jedi was very bittersweet because it was the last time that we know, like, she was physically there. Like, we're going to see her in nine, but to, like, know that that was her last movie, it was painful in a way. And so, like, I think there's going to be a lot of bittersweet moments. I think I have a feeling either the beginning of Avengers 4 or the end of Avengers 4 is going to be, like, for Stan and we're going to all lose our collective yeah. minds. Like, well, it's probably going to be an emotional roller coaster, to say the least. But to see that, I think we'll all, like, there won't be a dry eye in the theater, you know. Um, and not to, I mean, I promise I won't keep bringing up award season. But <laughs> it's okay. I think, you know, part of the landscape of Hollywood is that whenever very influential people die, you know, you you know that that's another name that's going to be added to, like, the in-memoriam section of award seasons and I think it kind of makes you think and think through what kind of impact they really had you know and it would just be cool to see a whole group of like Marvel actors because when you think about like how many you know lives he touched and how many people were involved in you know at least just the movies and TV shows that we've seen you know in addition to you know with the comics and everything I just think that would be a cool way to you know tribute a tribute to him and honor him 
Well, I feel like if at least Infinity War and Black Panther will be nominated for bare minimum visual effects. So they're already recognized by the Academy. It, and so many Academy members have like have been directly affected by Stan Lee. So I I think it would be really cool as well to see like a bunch of people out. Um, and this like one of my favorite in memoriam like tributes I've seen at the Oscars is for John Hughes. And I'd love to see something mm-hmm. like that with like maybe the original six Avengers. Oh, I'd get so emotional. Yeah, that's exactly what I had thought of too. And just just realizing like how many people that they they touched and you know it was more than that even but yeah all right moving on there's a lot of disney news that i want to cover and i totally want to get into it and i know we started with san lee but i do want to backtrack a little bit i know we have we're really into in college and now with recent news about this particular property i really want to dive into this and plus my dad has been watching it for the first time and texting me about it and i'm loving it for him because he has no idea but it's so great guys breaking bad is getting some movies to on amc vince gilligan is working on them and i just want to know emily your thoughts on this because we were into this in college i'm I will go down and say this is one of the best TV shows of the new millennium to up there with the all-time greats. Um, do you think this is a good idea? So, I will say that Breaking Bad is my favorite show. Period. <coughs> I don't know how I feel about I'm always very hesitant whenever well-loved either movies or TV shows, and we'll get into this later on as yeah. well with another topic, but I'm always wary when I hear of a new movie or a new continuation um, of something that seems that the story has been wrapped up. Mm -hmm. That being said, stopped watching Better Call Saul, but I did watch like the first season or two and I thought that was really well done. So I feel like if they do it right, it could be good, but I'm not exactly sure what kind of story they would tell. Mm-hmm. I'm not too versed on, like, the news, I'll be honest. But would it be, like, back in time? Or would it be in the future somehow? I don't know. Well, because... Well, okay. Let me just preface this right now. Dad, I know you're listening to this. You're one of my <laughs> few faithful followers, which I appreciate. But I'm saying for the next, like, seven minutes you probably shouldn't listen to this because it is a big fat spoiler so i'm going to put on a timer for seven minutes and then afterwards like we're done with spoiler talk but i'm asking like if you have not seen all of breaking bad like i don't want the speeding room for you so three two one timer's on all right well walter white dies in it so like you can't necessarily i don't think we should do like a prequel to walter white but like i miss him because i'd love to see brian cranston again but i feel like they would want the movie i would i would like to see what's going on with jesse pinkman right now yes jesse was my favorite character Mm -hmm. what i think it should be is jesse is living about his life you know, trying to stay out of trouble. Mm-hmm. And then the ghost of Walter White is just haunting him. 
telling him like we need to do this again and jesse's just like you're a ghost mm-hmm. you're a and ghost it's, and it's not really a serious it's like a comedy that's what would be great you want to <laughs> see this go comedic route i don't know i just think that how else are we going to get brian cranston back in unless it's about him teaching but like what exactly what what story is there? <laughs> I don't, yeah, because, like, I love Brian Cranston and the character of Walter White. I don't want to see his life prior to the events of Breaking Bad because he was just a teacher, a husband, a father. And I feel like that's where the story begins is with the pilot. And I I don't want to be disappointed and see trying to flesh out, make him more exciting than the events of Breaking Bad. Now, what it could be if it's about his family, like how they're dealing with years later. I would love that. Post, you know, way down the line because, you know, for his family, that's a huge weight, yeah, to have to carry around um, lots of, you know, questions because they really didn't know until... I don't think they knew until the very end how serious it was. I guess Skylar kind of knew. She knew she early was like a on, part of it, but I don't think they realized how kind of villainous he had become. Yeah, um, like he had truly transformed into Heisenberg, and right. so he is the would, one who knocks. He is the one who knocks. Say my name. But Ugh. that would be interesting. But again, I feel like Breaking Bad is. You know, part of it is about, like, the whole, you know, making meth and the whole drug side of it. Yeah. And what all goes down with that. So, I feel like, how do you bring that back in with, I don't know, different characters or... Would you potentially want to see, like, Gus come back? No. Okay. (laughs) I don't know. It's so hard. I don't know. Like, I... I'm just a big fan of... I hated Gus. Huh? I hated Gus. Well, I know he's a great villain, so... Well, yeah, I guess it could be him before. Because we got, like, teases of his stuff with Hector. I could watch a movie about that era of Breaking Bad. That would be really cool. But if you have Breaking Bad as far as a title in there, it's really hard to watch without, like, either Jesse or Walt being in right. it. So, like, I'm on the bandwagon. I'd like to see... i like to see Jesse Pinkman and just his life after Walter White, but I don't see it going in a comedic route by any no. stretch of the that country. was a joke. I, I realized that. That would not... <laughs> yeah, totally. because the prequel, like, that's basically Better Call Saul, because I yeah. feel like they bring in a lot of... Yeah. The characters that you know, so so I don't know that that would work. I feel like the probably the thing that makes the most sense is if it's after the fact. What, yeah. What's the aftermath? Does Jesse get pulled back into something? Because um, that would be interesting, too, because of How all the trauma. How do you make trauma, sense of all of that? Right. All the trauma he went through with, with Walter and him finally breaking free at the end. It'd be interesting to see, you know, him you know, go through that, and it's kind of an accomplishment and a freeing moment for him at the end of the series. It would be interesting to see 
you know, a couple months later, he's back into something, back yeah. into trouble. It could be of a different variety, yeah. maybe, but... Or, like, he finally has good, but then something triggers him, and then he, like is back in it or something. Mm -hmm. What I hope is we get more pizza on the roof. Yes. I, yeah, I hope we see we're back in New Mexico. I'd like to see more Los Pollos Hermanos. Yeah, I I love that world. I'm due for a rewatch, honestly. I have to wait until my dad finishes watching it so I don't mess up his, like, place on the series. But to say the least, like, I... I'm actually pretty excited about the news with Breaking Bad because I think there is more to tell in that universe, but we'll get into where it makes sense to tell more in the universe or not in a later story, mm-hmm. but I digress. So, okay, that's about that's about seven, seven minutes. You can all come back. Spoiler alert has been lifted. At this so. point, <laughs> it's been what? Exactly. exactly. And I, and I, like five years at least. Know maybe more since mm-hmm. it's in the, so I feel like at this point you don't have as much of an excuse the only the only instance that I'll get really mad about being spoiled for something is if I'm making actions to not be spoiled mm. so fun story quick story <laughs> go for it when The Force Awakens came out oh we I have lots of stories about that trying to stay unspoiled oh yeah and first Star Wars movie to come out in years and just I knew gotta see it for you know first thing gotta see it that day that Thursday when it came out that Thursday night and Emily was working during the day so I um, we were in Columbia South Carolina I go to the theater early that day wear my Star Wars t-shirt to pick up the tickets we were gonna come back a few hours later what I didn't realize though is that there had already been a few showings so I'm wearing a Star Wars t-shirt, walking into a theater, and at that point I start realizing, oh no, there's going to be people coming out of this thing, and they're going to see my t-shirt, and they're going to try to start talking to me. And sure enough, that's what happened. I'm, I'm walking to get my ticket, and this guy comes up to me, hey man, that was great. What? And, I, and I, he probably didn't spoil anything, but I made sure he wouldn't, because literally I just smacked my hands to my ears. And then just started yelling like, "I haven't seen it! I haven't seen it! I haven't seen it!" And I ran. And I so, love it. That's my fun story. But yeah, for something that's been out for a while, I I agree. That's that's on me. So I can say wholeheartedly, at work today, I spoiled the ending of Ant Man and the Wasp for someone today, <laughs> which. A few months have gone by. I don't feel as bad. It's yeah. now out on DVD, so... So the ending or the end credit scene? The mid-credit mid-cre- scene. Mid-credit, okay. Yeah. Yes. Because they the ending didn't is... No, and hmm. they were, like, nodding along, and then me and this other guy are talking about the ending, and then he, after we're done, he was like, yeah, I didn't know that. I'm like, why didn't you say anything? Also, it's been a few months. Like, right. I don't feel as bad about it. And I feel like there are levels of, you know, which movies do you need to see, like, sooner rather than later. Mm-hmm. Marvel movies, Star Wars, those are probably the two big ones that you need to see, like, opening weekend. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you're gonna get spoiled, and no one wants that. So yeah. You can't wait months and then complain that found out something you didn't want to know yeah now dc i don't know i don't know if i adhere to the same rules for dc probably not <laughs> dc might not have any big um shocker moments though yeah which 
I know a few people have seen Aquaman just recently, so like stuff will be coming out about that soon. But ever since Suicide Squad, I will not go see a DC movie opening weekend. Even after Wonder Woman came out and everyone was raving about it, I waited until that Monday afterwards because I did not want to contribute to Warner Brothers opening weekend numbers. I was like, you don't deserve my money anymore. And Wonder Woman, it's good, not great. I'm in the camp of the first half of the movie is good. And then the third act scene is very Zack Snyder-y. And I think it's a step in the right direction, but I don't think it is the best we can get. And I don't think it is top 10 superhero movie quality, which some people have labeled it that. I just don't think it's quite there yet, but it is a great start in that direction. I think Wonder Woman 1984 will be better than uh, the first Wonder Woman movie, but we'll see. I don't know, but that I don't feel as bad for like DC movies getting spoiled because they're not must-see movies for me. And also, there's just, I mean, the MCU has 10 years of just build-up, you know? And so if you're watching these 20 movies... You know, I mean, what, what's it going to be by the time we get to it? Is, it's already been 20 movies yeah, now. Yeah, so it's going to be, what, 24? By, by, to what, It'll be 22. Will, 22. Yeah. Man, we're getting three Marvel movies next year. That's we awesome. are getting Marvel three Marvel movies next that's, year. That's awesome. We got three Marvel movies this year. Yeah. This, like, doesn't it blow your mind that Black Panther came out this year? Yes. Like, it doesn't... It feels like it came out last year at this Whoa. time. Exactly. Ooh. It came out this year, this February. Man. Wow. We have been through the ringer this year, guys. <laughs> Man. Whew. Well, speaking of going through the ringer, let's talk about Toy Story 4 because <gasps> that's coming out next year. The Toy Story 4 teaser came out and like a lot of people and I think we're in the same camp here, Toy Story 3 was so perfect in the most heartbreaking, beautiful way that the idea of a Toy Story 4 even coming out doesn't make sense. So the the news came out that this was happening, and I was just like, no, I'm not okay with this. Then the teaser came out. I'm kind of... There's not much of anything. The teaser reaction came out the next day, and it was a bit between Key and Peel because they're in this movie. And I'm kind of on bored with it and I've heard recently that the last 12 minutes of the movie are going to make you cry even more than Toy Story 3 did. So I'm like, great. Another Pixar movie to make me weep my eyes out. No big deal. Here's the thing. I think Pixar is great and they they have very rare failure type movies or movies that, you know, are not top notch. Mm-hmm. But I... This is going back to my thinking that being wary of continuing a story that probably doesn't need to be continued because I agree. Toy Story 3, that was perfect. Threes are kind of a good rule. I feel like trilogies, those are, you know, very popular for a reason because you can tell a full story and Toy Story 3, perfectly wrapped up in my opinion. The Toy Stories with Andy and it was just perfect. I thought it was a perfect way to end. And whenever they kind of announced the idea of a Toy Story 4, I've been pretty much in denial. And then when the teaser dropped, was like, 
well, dang it, now I guess it's actually happening. But I really don't want to believe that it's actually happening. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But I just feel like this is something where, and a lot of studios, I think, fall into this rut where they have like a big money-making property. And because of that, they want to continue to milk it for everything that it's worth, Mm -hmm. which, you know, it's a business. So on that level, I understand it. But I think because of that, you're not giving way to creating new stories. There's, you know, you look at any set of movies that come out, probably the vast majority are sequels or, you know, movie versions of books or other properties. You know, there's there's hardly any original movies out there. And at the beginning, Pixar was so good at original films. Mm-hmm. And I feel like they have fallen into a trap of mainly doing sequels and mainly doing things that are kind of based on like their other movies like Monsters University is like a prequel technically um, Finding, Dory, Finding Dory any of the Cars sequel movies right. that we don't talk about Incredibles <laughs> too, which not that those are bad movies it's just sometimes you don't need to continue to build onto a story Incredibles 2 I say what Owen say is a little different just because we have been kind of asking for that. Right. That so, has yeah. been a while. Um, but I just... That was worth it. I think that... And, and and I saw that recently, actually, and that I liked it. But we don't have to go into that. Right. I just think that it'll probably... I'll probably wait as well to see it mm-hmm. because I love... Like, Toy Story 3 was my favorite Pixar movie. And... I feel like it's preserved in my memory right now. Mm-hmm. And I don't know about this sport guy. <laughs> I don't trust but him. But you love Buster, though, from Arrested Development, because it's Tony Hale. Right. But he's a spork. Like, that's weird. I don't know. But his name I'm is not, Sporky. I know. I'm not yeah. sold on it yet. But, but we shall see, because, again, I think... These are beloved characters, and I think Pixar knows that, and they're normally not wrong. So, even though I think this is a total money grab, we'll see. The movie still might be good. I know. It's just, I have very strong opinions, and I'm trying to dial it down for the sake of this podcast. (laughs) And not wanting to be banned from future podcasts. Oh, pish posh. Um, You can give your hot takes. Yeah, I just think it's, it's pointless. What if it's gonna be the what if it's the best Toy Story movie? We'll see. I'll then I will have you back on is and there, we can talk about is, it. Yes. Is there a I will chance? eat my words. If this is a great movie, I will eat my Hold words. Hold on. Now what so what chance? So what what are the what was the chances that you put for Do you wanna play what are the odds right can. now? What are the odds? For those listening, this is a fun college game that we love to play. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah. This is this harkens back to college of making bets and seeing what happens with it. Which, what are the odds, Emily? What that, are the odds that this Toy Story four is the best Toy Story? One in one hundred. One in one hundred. Okay. All right. All right. I don't think it will be, but we'll see. Interesting. Like, will Andy be in this? That's what I'm. I don't know. I don't think he will be. That's my thing. It's I just feel like there's he's kind of the glue that holds these characters together. Yeah. Like they're Andy's toys. They're Andy's toys. Just, and without but just, Andy then yeah. you know, I don't know. There's no connection to 
you know, that's their purpose is to be a toy for Andy. And but then we see a toy in Toy Story three, like it's and they they move beyond him. Yeah, right. It's toys live on and they can bring joy to a new generation. So I get it, but it's all, but it's hard because it. Toy Story is such in, so ingrained into our childhood. Like right. we grew up with Toy Story and with Woody and Buzz being Andy's toys. So to see life beyond that is just feels, or at least for me, it kind of feels like sacrilege. Yeah. You know, right? And another thing is, and again, I don't know how this movie is going to end, but if they're making a fourth, what's going to stop them from making a fifth and a sixth? And I feel like that's when you. <laughs> That's when a lot of times movies start to fall into, like, you know, this is not good anymore because they're not telling a specific story. They're just, you know, going on and on, which maybe that's fine. But I don't know. I like things to have kind of an end and there's no need to tell every single thing about it. You can kind of leave that up to the viewer's imagination. Plus there's fanfic out there. Come on. That's true. There's always fanfic. (laughs) But we'll see. I don't... I never wanted another Toy Story, but but I will... You're cautiously optimistic. Yes, that's a great way to put it. Cautiously optimistic. All right. So, keeping in the in the Disney sandbox here. So it has been released that uh, Disney Plus is officially happening, which we've all known for the longest time that Disney was going to enter into the streaming race with Netflix and be a true contender for it. And just announced the name for it, Disney Plus. We know that there's a Loki series coming to uh, Disney Plus confirmed. We know that the Mandalorian and Cassie and Andor prequel uh, story for Star Wars is happening on Disney Plus. There's rumors about Scarlet Witch and Falcon and Warner Soldier stories happening. But the thing that is the really big question mark in all of this is the Marvel Netflix universe. They have been developed and they're kind of in their own sector of the world and a lot of it has been really successful. But with the cancellation of first with Iron Fist and then Luke Cage, what do we think the what's going to happen to the Marvel Netflix world? Like, I'm afraid for Daredevil, Punisher, and even Jessica Jones. You know, like, what what do we think is going to happen to them? Are they going to get moved over, over to Disney Plus? Are they just going to stay in their own world? Are they just going to be canceled and we'll just never see them again? Like. What are, what are y'all thinking right now? So I'll be honest, and I have not yet seen the Daredevil season three. For me, kind of after Iron Fist slash Defenders, I just kind of, not fell out, but kind of fell out of, you know, wanting to continue. And it, the same thing happened with the, like, CWDC shows, mm-hmm. where it got to a point where... You have to watch everything to keep up because there's crossovers and they play on each other. And mm-hmm. that would be my worry for like the Disney Plus shows too, where it's like there's so many different properties and and most people I feel like who are big fans of like Marvel are also probably big fans of Star Wars and vice versa. So for me, like people at the beginning it might be very exciting and trying to, you know, People would be happy to try to watch all these different things, but it might not be sustainable where, and that I think might be the case with the Marvel Netflix shows where we've already kind of lost half of the team. Mm -hmm. Um, 
I don't know, though. But I love Jessica Jones. Mm-hmm. I think she, her as a character is interesting in Daredevil. I think those two are probably the most interesting, like, on their own, mm-hmm. maybe. I actually in enjoyed their opinion. interactions in Defenders. I thought their stuff was, yeah. like, the strongest in, like, what was a kind of weak team-up mm-hmm. season. My question is, is Disney pull all of their Marvel and other Disney properties off of Netflix whenever plus stars? Movies-wise, yes, absolutely. Their TV deal, though, that they made for Netflix, that is something that's going to have to be revisited. And I think they've been in talks about it so far. And I've heard the rumor, and I think a lot of us want want to believe it to be true that the reason why Iron Fist and Luke Cage were canceled was because they could be rebooted as a Heroes for Hire series for Disney Plus and mm-hmm. I think that would be really cool but that also is a lot of stretch like what do you what do you think about this Tully? So I think I think Disney is going to play this very well um, so this so and I think we can look at past examples um, maybe not one-to-one relation, you know, related to this, but so looking back, I guess it's definitely Marvel, but before the Disney deal. So when Spider-Man moved over to Sony, and so Sony had that property, mm-hmm. and then the MCU was being built out and everything, and Spider-Man, like, eventually, you've got to get him in the MCU. They knew that. Marvel knew this. But they needed a way to be able to convince Sony to get him back. So... They laid the groundwork years in advance to get to that table. And what that included was just flooding the comic book stands with so many different variations of Spider-Man. So many different comics going on at the same And by doing that, it just got so overwhelming, so flooded. And when we started seeing it, right, we started seeing, you know, first Spider-Man, second Spider-Man, great movies. I think the second Spider-Man, Spider-Man 2 is probably still the best Spider-Man movie that's mm-hmm. been out there, even though I love Tom Holland. Spider-Man 2 is the best Spider-Man movie. Spider-Man 3 happened, which was, <laughs> which was yeah. And, um, which I, I watched that the other day. Um, it's actually a good movie until the last 60 minutes. And if they could have just reworked the last 60 minutes, it would have been solid. Mm-hmm. But, so then that happened, and then, you know, Amazing Spider-Man happened. And so we had this kind of, and started seeing a downward trend, and because of all these little things that Marvel had been doing to kind of, make the kind of hurt their hurt their best property in a way in order to get it back um and they still really don't have it truly back but just for the movies at least um till spider-man far from home and hopefully after i think disney's going to play a similar thing i think that what's on netflix right now is going to stay mm-hmm. movie wise i think they're going to let it stay on netflix but they're also going to have it on disney plus mm-hmm. they're going to start making it they're going to start flooding things and start making people question, well, why do I have Netflix? Mm-hmm. Because Disney Plus has that and more. Yeah. Um, so I think that's how they're going to play it. I think, I don't think there's going to be new Marvel Netflix shows. Mm-hmm. Or if there are, they're going to be like the like like a freeform show. Like The Runaways or like right. Cloak and Dagger. Okay. Right. Something that... You know, it'll probably do well, but it's not gonna it's not gonna compete really with yeah. um, with what's eventually gonna be on Disney Plus. It'll have a solid fan base, but not the same kind of numbers as like these other shows are doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised by that. I just think they have something really strong in Daredevil, and even I'd say The Punisher, which 
I think is an incredible series. Like they announced the season two and JTE from Green Junkies and Collider like quote tweeted it the other day, like the announcement for season two. And it's like, it's been almost a year. And I'm like, don't jinx this man. This means we may not get this, but it's still on the table. And um, I don't think it's going away because there was such a strong response to it as far as like viewership and critical review. I think Netflix is gonna stand firm in that. And like, no, we're keeping these characters you made your bed with this and therefore you kind of have to live with it. We've yeah. let these ones go. I don't think that Disney plus will touch those characters right now. I think there needs to be some time and plus that they're making these deals, like making these shows with their MCU characters. That's creating way more fan fervor for it. Like oh, yeah. how many, like there's so many Loki fans out there that's bringing in waves of fangirls to like sign up for Disney Plus right there. And then you have all of the the Disney catalog. You've got the Lady in the Tramp movie that they're going to have on there and the Star Wars shows in there. And because of this Fox and Disney deal, I'm willing to bet that they're going to get the original they're going to get the rights back to the original trilogy and have that on Disney Plus. That would be the money maker right there. That'd be huge, yeah. Like the little girl with like a cash full of money, just throw it out the window. Take it. It's yours. You have it, Disney. They're, they own my wallet basically next year. But if they're okay. able to do that, sign, seal, delivered, you have it. Okay. Done. Okay. We're, sub- I, we're subscribing to oh, yeah. Disney Plus. I mean, right. it's not. When I first heard about this whole Disney Plus thing, my first kind of thought was it seemed just like a little like too late in the game yeah because you have netflix which is a juggernaut and like hulu and which hulu is doing amazon fantastic and prime right. as well so it seemed like why did it take disney so long but because of these like announcements for shows i think that's creating a lot of buzz but also i was thinking the other day like if they you know i don't know what their contracts look like with netflix or mm-hmm. with hulu or whatever but disney owns abc mm-hmm. and if they pulled like Grey's anatomy mm-hmm. like all of their like comedies like fresh out the boat oh, wow. and modern family yeah. like Blackish and all of like their, all so- of those things if they were to you know, be able to pull those off of Netflix and stop those from, like, going straight to Hulu or something. Like, that, I think, would probably seal the deal as well because all of these, you know, people who are not fans of Marvel mm-hmm. and Star Wars, you know, there's Shonda Rhimes owns TV, basically. <laughs> I think in that regard, if that's the route Disney went, I don't think that they would pull things from other streamers. I think they're going to my point earlier I think they're going to just have it also on Disney Plus like get however that however the rights work out because if it if it is a profitable profitable you know for Hulu or for Netflix to keep that then they just then they come back and rework it and say okay well you know your contract ends here if you guys want to keep it going sure keep going we're just going to also have it Mm-hmm. Yeah, or maybe they'll have some and kind of, like, priority where, like, they'll have it first or Well, I something. know there's a lot of creators that right now they have, I think Shonda in particular, she has a deal with Netflix that she's creating stuff for them, too. So the day that she decides, like, Grey's Anatomy is done, which, honestly, it should be done by now. Hey, Sorry. don't mess with Grey's. 
it will go forever. <laughs> Grays will go on when there's when there's not a gray left. It's just like bodies, anatomy. Grace will go on until we see Meredith's children become doctors. <laughs> and then it'll restart itself. Oh, my god! And gosh. it'll just keep going and going like the Energizer Bunny. Uh, let's, okay, let's <laughs> not talk about that right now. I, uh, this is not sponsored by Grace Anatomy. No, the, I'm not sponsored by bunny. Disney. Or, or the Energizer Bunny. <laughs> Or the Energizer Bunny, or I'm not sponsored by anyone. We're not making but, any money. But the podcast. option is available. Yes, please. Money, <laughs> give it. Please send it my way. But the main thing I wanted to talk with the two of you about, because we did see this movie last night, I want to record and talk about our review of Fantastic Beasts, The Crimes of Grindelwald, because this is, we are all Harry Potter fans. We had been looking forward to this movie. We saw it last night. Let's dive into it. I feel, today I'm feeling pretty meh about the movie. Like, I didn't hate it. I didn't love it. The way I guess it ended really frustrated me and and bits and pieces also frustrated me throughout the movie. The things that they got right hold on to me better than the things that they got wrong, I guess. Yeah, I want you to go crazy with this. What are you thinking about this movie after a day later? I think, I I feel like I probably need to see it again. Mm-hmm. Because I was watching it feeling a little jet lagged. So yeah. that may not have been the best, you know, state to see it in, in the first place. But are we in spoilers? No. Yeah, I think it's fair for spoilers. So okay. sorry, guys, if you hadn't seen it see it or just don't listen beyond this point uh this is your official spoiler alert we're diving into spoilers because yeah we have to talk about that ending okay i just mainly don't want to slip up and say something and then someone gets mad at me (laughs) um i just feel like like i after watching the trailers for this i was so excited for this and i was expecting it to be even better than the first Fantastic Beasts, which I really loved. I really enjoyed that, but I felt like it was kind of like mild on the conflict. Like Mm -hmm. it kind of threw the thing at the end with like Grindelwald. Yeah. Um, So I was expecting this to be like very intense, kind of like how um, like Prisoner of Azkaban kind of shifted the whole tone of Harry Potter. Absolutely. I was expecting and hoping it to be like that to really dive us into the, the true central drama and central conflict that is supposed to be these this series but i did not leave the movie feeling that way Mm -hmm. um and i felt like they tried to do too many things they tried to build too many storylines and too many characters that they brought in that didn't really have a specific point um Mm -hmm. like and this was in the trailer, so it's not really a spoiler, but with, like, Nagini. Mm-hmm. Like, I thought that was so interesting to see in the trailer, but they didn't really expound on that too much mm-hmm. in the movie. Like, th- I don't think that there was a, a reason that it had to be Nagini. Yeah. And maybe those things would be answered in the next movie, but I feel like I was just wanting to have a little bit more explanation at this point. Mm-hmm. Um so I don't know. I again, I haven't gotten my final thoughts together, but I don't think that I really liked it. Which I hate saying that. Yeah. Like I hate because I love Harry Potter so much and I wanted to love this so much, but I 
feel like I just left and didn't really feel much of anything. And I kind of like left the movie feeling confused about what even happened because Mm -hmm. it seemed like they like started all these storylines, but then didn't really have any, you know, Conclusion. conclusion to any of them. Yeah, I agree. I think the movie, after watching it the first time, you will have to see it again. But usually, if you want to see a movie a second time, that's a good thing. If you mm-hmm. want to see it in theaters a second time. This is actually, I got to see it a second time just to really understand what I saw the first time. Like, mm-hmm. um, And not just for looking at Fraser eggs, like for actually like, what is the plot of this movie? Like, what is, what are we, where are we going? Um, I think the main thing the movie lacked was a con- like it ne- there needed to be a better conflict. Mm-hmm. Character wise, love Newt Scamander, love Dumbledore, love Grindelwald. Johnny Depp is great as Grindelwald. I don't. I mean, I would argue he did a great job. Those characters were awesome. the The storyline didn't make sense to me as far as so we're if we're gonna follow. Um, Credence and his quest for is it Credence or Clarence or Credence? It's, it's Credence. Okay, yeah. I, I was afraid I was gonna say Clarence, but I said it anyway. If we were going after his quest for identity, and we kind of did, but we just hit a lot of potholes on the way, and it didn't really feel like there was a lot of conflict with his decision. I feel like he, if he was gonna go to him in like that easy, why didn't we start the movie like that? Like, yeah. why didn't we start with the movie with? Which he already you know? was already linked to him because, like, Colin Farrell in the previous movie was Grindelwald in disguise. Like, yeah. he already had a connection to him. So, the idea that he was, like, on the run and trying to figure out his own thing. Like, granted, Grindelwald was in prison for a bit. And then once he got free, he was able to, like, find him again. But, yeah, it would have made sense. Like, he would have just, like, found him immediately. And he would be, like ready you know yeah and maybe maybe Grindelwald is playing the long game maybe because there there did seem to be some some strategizing with him wanting him needing Credence to come to him yeah um so potentially you know that is playing a role he also does sway Queenie and so that could be that's a big thing I mean so I'm not dismayed as to the where we're going because I think that there are enough storylines for them to still make great stories. Mm-hmm. This just might. This movie on its own was not the best. Yeah. So the things that worked well for the first Fantastic Beast movies were, I think, Newt, Jacob, Queenie, and Tina. They, as new characters, were compelling enough that, oh, we care about them and we want to see what happens next for them. So I think, like, Queenie in particular, she was one of those that, like, her storyline was really thin in that, oh, she randomly shows up with Jacob, and oh, he now remembers everything, which, how did that even happen? Like, yeah, I was uh, really, that was the one thing I was, I didn't get a real answer for, because, like, how do you, how do you reverse that spell. The way they made it sound was that he, that Obliviate only makes you forget the bad things, but that's never, that's never, never been, been the, the case, case because yeah. Hermione's parents would still remember her. Exactly. Dang it. No, yeah. but they, I don't know that it was necessarily Obliviate because it was the rain uh, that wiped his memory. Fair. Okay. So that it was the rain that like wiped away bad memories, I guess. 
Because all of the people that, you know, were in New York that got rained on, they didn't forget everything about their lives. You know, they just went on as normal. So I kind of understand that, but it seemed like almost like a lazy way to explain that. And, mm-hmm. like, I wish that for Queenie, she ended up having, like, an interesting ending in this movie. But I feel like there wasn't enough meat of I wanted why to did see she... Her react, I wanted to see her interact with Tina. Right. If she would have interacted with her sister, like, had a scene of the two of them together and then her make that decision right that would have had way more weight to it than her like being out on her own this rando person from Grindelwald's crew finds her and like chats up with her I just felt like it came across like a little too fast for my liking it felt like this movie did a lot of telling not showing Mm, yeah which is which is crazy because that's like the first rule of writing and J.K. Rowling is obviously like a writer first and foremost and she wrote the screenplay mm-hmm. but and we were talking about this the other night whereas Harry Potter she wrote those books you know long before they became movies and had to you know go through an editor and mm-hmm. you know and I'm sure that there was steps like that involved in the screenplay as well but um, I don't know it just felt very you know, confusing and muddled and, like, a lot of things didn't have answers. And I was thinking, like, like with the characters that they brought in that were tied to Harry Potter, so, like, Nagini, Nicholas Flamel, and Dumbledore even, it felt like they kind of just threw those in because they felt like we wanted to see Harry Potter mm-hmm. people, but it didn't seem like... Like, we don't see Dumbledore until or hogwarts until like halfway through the movie yeah and that was such a big part of the trailer and wanting us to be excited about it yeah and we barely saw him in the movie and like why was nicholas flamel there we don't really get a reason other than he's a name that we know yeah but there was no it didn't seem like it had to be him for any reason so i don't know it just also another thing i was frustrated with is like the idea that like in that we established there was a wizarding world in the United States and they have their own wizarding school and on Pottermore, like, you can get sorted into those Mm -hmm. houses. And I feel like we're never going to see more of that wizarding world. And that kind of bothers me. Like, I know there's a greater story to tell with Grindelwald, but, and, like, we have to eventually see, like, Dumbledore and Grindelwald, their big duel. Right them clash and so that Dumbledore gets the elder one I get that but I feel like that this movie and this story probably could have been on pause until the next movie and also tweaked out a little bit more I feel like there was still more to be told as far as character wise with the the ones we do have and even like the world that we had in the US Mm -hmm. like dive in more there thought Nagini was wasted completely because if you're going to bring her in please like tell more of her story than just her like standing with credence walking from place to place make us hate neville for killing her yeah (laughs) seriously like right now i'm just like you go neville good job but like i think it would have been stronger if like you said like if dumbledore had not been in this movie also if Lita Lestrange because that confused me. I did not understand. If we had a scene more with 
Theseus and Newt and Letta there, that would have made me cared a little bit more about her. There was like, it was like a sorry attempt at a love triangle. Yeah. I just didn't, I didn't, I right. never really got it. But I think uh, if, you know. if they had focused more solely on them trying to track Credence down and maybe vie for his attention, like if you actually saw them talking with him like both sides Mm -hmm. and maybe if we saw Credence and Nagini meet instead of just assuming their relationship from the beginning like Mm -hmm. if we had seen her and I don't know kind of saw how they're both kind of searching for purpose or searching for something because it seems like Grindelwald is the answer because he's saying that he can have all the answers right he's he's promising this you know false stuff Mm-hmm. that he can give them purpose and that he can give them a place in the world. And I'm sure that Nagini is, you know, feeling very conflicted, obviously, because she knows she's going to turn into a snake yeah. permanently. Like, she's got, so she's, she has limited time. Right. So, so the idea of them being conflicted about the stuff is there, but it just wasn't, like, fleshed out and... And executed um, properly. To, to play devil's advocate... It might. This might be a good movie to set up other movies, but right. but here's but the problem is when you tell when when you have you know what is it going to be five movies in this franchise? Of course, yes, yeah, some are going to be weaker and things are going to set up more than others. But if the movie is solely set up, it's it doesn't do well. It's not mm-hmm. going to do well at all, and it's not going to be fun to watch. And so, at what point do we start getting these like? <laughs> these franchises where we're like okay yeah watch the first one skip the second one mm-hmm. and just watch three and four or however you know yeah i think one of the best setup movies out there is probably harry potter and the prisoner of azkaban yeah. talk about like a setup movie without voldemort even in the movie right. but like the events of that movie was set up for his return in goblet of fire that's still like i think is one of the strongest harry potter movies I mentioned it last night, and I want to say it for the sake of the podcast. Like, I heard this recently and want to get your thoughts on this. Because of this movie, I'm hearing a lot of comparisons to maybe the Harry Potter universe is starting to become more like the prequels of Star Wars and that J.K. Rowling is turning into her own George Lucas in a negative light, not a positive, like, creative light that he... He definitely fathered and created the Star Wars universe, but I think that based on this movie, it's really easy to make that argument. And that's like a hard and scary thing because like we have so much like faith in the Harry Potter universe. Like it's been solid for us and for pretty much all their movies. Like I'm not a fan of Chamber of Secrets, but like I still love the movies, you know, and I still think they're crazy strong, but this is a knock. This is a blow. And it, it sucks. What are y'all thinking? Yeah, I. it's hard to say that for certain without knowing. Like, And what's mind-boggling is that there's supposed to be three other movies, mm-hmm. which I don't know how... This doesn't make me excited for three more movies. I'll say that. But it's hard to say that Like, if she's turning into a version of oh yeah it's hard to say that without seeing the whole thing Mm because i do say like it's hard to judge a movie without seeing like if it's supposed to be a trilogy or 
you know, it's supposed mm-hmm. to be told in a certain amount of time. You kind of do have to have all of those parts to see the whole story. Absolutely. So I do get that. And but and if we if we judge what what she's done before, she knows she knows where she's doing. She knows what she's building up to. I and mean, we know, right? We know Dumbledore's gotta get the wand at some point. Yeah. But we can I think be hopeful that while this story might not have been told in the best light, there are probably checkpoints that got hit on this movie that are essential to what is to come. So like the the reveal at the end of um, Credence's identity. Whether that's true or not, we don't know. In the same way as Kylo when he tells Ray, you know, Which that's nobody. See, that's what I'm frustrated with because I yeah, <laughs> I am such a fan of that decision made in the Last Jedi, and I think it was set up in the Force Awakens yeah. for that for that reveal. This one doesn't feel like that. That's my that's my knock against those who compare it to that. Mm. I think there was enough setup in the Force Awakens of who Rey is. Like she Moss Kanata tells her, like you already know the truth. Like the pe- the what you're searching for, they're not coming back. Whereas Credence, I feel like this came out of left field entirely. The only there was thing, no setup to it. The, yeah, the only setup you could think of is Grindelwald told the same story of, about the Phoenix that Dumbledore told Newt. But Grindelwald's the one who has the Phoenix, and yeah. he just shows it. And so, it, it, you know, that doesn't prove to me at all that Credence is a Dumbledore. But that lie could be a good jumping point to, you know, Dumbledore's... How do, how do you save someone who has now, like, fully grasped onto, this is who I am, I now have a place in this world. Mm-hmm. How do you still reach him, but then say, but you're not... Yeah. Like, what I want is a Dumbledore to say, you're not my brother, but we're family. Like, somehow do something yeah. like that. But we'll see. I don't know. And, and then also with the... Um, what was the actual term for it? A blood pact? Or, yeah. Um, that's going to be another kind of... What, a MacGuffin, I guess, kind of. We're gonna, yeah. We're gonna, that's going to be... Like that, I feel like that's going to potentially be the driving force in the third movie. It's like, how do we get rid of this blood pact? How do yeah. we free Dumbledore to prepare for the real fight at hand? Because we all know that's what happens, but... But I'm afraid that's going to get somehow, like, retconned or changed. Like, we've been told all this time that this battle happens. And that's a big part of their relationship. And, like, the weight and toll that that carries with Dumbledore for the rest of his life. And to see, like, maybe it not happen in that way. I just feel like we get cheated of, like, the great character that is Dumbledore. You know? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I hate to do this, guys. We have been talking for so long, which has been amazing. I could talk with y'all for days, and we're going to keep talking about this, but just not recorded. But I just want to thank you both so much for being on here and to be able to chat about the stuff that we usually end up talking about when we chat. Where can people find you? I'm on Twitter at Emily E. Dominguez. I will put that in the description. I'm on Twitter as well. I don't tweet much. I'm pretty much just a consumer on Twitter. I need to tweet <laughs> much. Tweet more. That is okay. Um, but yeah, I'm on I'm on uh, Twitter at Tully UNC. I went to 
University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill, so I am a huge Tar Heel. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I'm on I'm on Twitter. I'm also on Instagram. Um, Emily is as well at Tully Dominguez, and then at Emily Dominguez. Well, thanks for stopping by, guys. Thank you so much for having us. Absolutely. It's very exciting. Yay! I'm glad you've had fun. And thank you all for listening. Tune in next time. I hope you all have a fantastic day. Nice. (laughs) Take care, guys. (laughs)